0: I'm coming to you today from chicago we're at uh, hits 2019 here in chicago and i'm going to be talking to uh, emily corey today she's from a company called corey nutrition and they have a dog food called nook we did a little lesson here about saying it because it's a difficult word for me to say obviously so it's a dog food they're one of our vendors here at uh, hits which is one of the benefits i always mention at hits is you get to meet a lot of different vendors and you get to talk to the representatives of the company. So most of the time, the uh, vendors have sent, not just a salesperson here, but the person that we're gonna to talk to today, Emily Corey, she's the VP of Research and Development. I'm gonna get a little bit about her background just to show you that when you're here, you get to uh, really get any technical questions you need answered. You can talk to uh, decision makers. You can. It's, uh, it's a great event for the networking, as I always say. So with that, uh, Emily, how are you today? Yeah, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Busy, but well. I know you guys are a little bit busy, too. So thanks for taking the time to jump in on this podcast with us today. I know we're going to talk about uh, some nutrition and stuff, but can you tell um, our listeners first uh, what your background is and how we ended up sitting here today?
1: Yeah. So um, I work for, as Jeff mentioned, I work for a nutrition company. We are a family-owned company based out of New Brunswick in Canada, just north of Maine. uh, So East Coast. Um, I am actually just in the completion stage of finishing up a Ph.D. in um, animal physiology and behavior. And I am, as Jeff mentioned, the VP of Research and Development for a nutrition company, makers um, of professional dog
0: food. Okay. So um, your studies are taking you, obviously, I'm sure it's related to the company. So is your, what's your Ph.D. thesis in?
1: Uh, it is related, but not so much in the dogs yeah. part of our company. So we have, uh, we've been around since 1982, um, but we have roots in uh, fish food world. So we come from aquaculture. So my PhD is actually in fish uh, <laughs> rather than, rather than um, in dogs. Yeah. yeah.
0: So your company does all types of different.
1: We do, we do a few things, uh-huh. uh, primarily pet food now, but yeah. we do have roots in some of the things that make us a little bit different. Um, and our procedures and why we can get high fat levels in our foods come from our history in that world.
0: So you mentioned you're a family owned company. Yes. So at some point in the family, somebody said, I think I want to start a dog food business. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) So it started, um, my father started the company back in 1982. We started uh, back in the boom of when agriculture was coming online. So he, uh, he had a strong background in salmon. And saw a need for a company to be produced in the East Coast Canada, so he founded a fish food company. So that started. Then um, we still make a little bit of fish food today, but we're as we started making venturing into uh, dog food actually uh, because we had somebody in a rural place in New Brunswick that was pr- purchasing our fish food to feed his machine team. Uh, but we couldn't figure it out. We didn't know why he was buying it uh, a ton at a time uh, for the longest time. Till we had to sit him down one day and say, "Look, well, what, what are you doing with this?" And he said, "I use it for my dogs in the woods because I can't get a food that has high enough fat level in it to sustain them." And from there, uh, my father has a background in fish and nutrition, and he went started going to dog food conferences and learning more about that particular segment of the market. These, Highly uh, active, uh, highly, they require dogs that require a precise level of nutrition. And it sprung from there. So we've been making, long story short, we've yeah. been making pet food now. Dog food in particular since 1991.
0: So basically, just out of, out of necessity, a, a guy who had working dogs out in the woods yeah. started using fish food because <laughs> yeah. he was smart enough to realize the ingredients would probably help his dog yeah. a little bit. And turned interesting. I just think it's interesting how people end up, you know, I started, I'm a cop and started a magazine out of the blue like not knowing anything about it. Sometimes yeah. sometimes not knowing what you're doing is a good thing because you, you don't get scared of, of trying things.
1: Well like that, so. it's, it makes it very interesting because in the world that we come from, farmers know how big the fish are. Uh, when they go in the water, they know how big they are when they come up, they know how much food goes in. So there's a ratio there. Nutrition yeah. is incredibly important. So when we started making pet food, uh, we applied the same philosophies there and of course works quite well with Highly active, highly sure. precise dogs that need an exact amount of nutrients um, and are running long distances. So it, it worked quite well, mind you. Uh, it doesn't apply as well in the commercial pet yeah. part of our business, but uh, here it does. yeah for
0: for our for our working dogs. I think that's a great match, and I think yeah. sometimes I've met some people over the years that maybe get involved in our industry because they're civilians and they love their dog Fluffy.
1: Sure. They don't
0: understand that we're working, but. You know, I'd never even, until just now when we sat here and talked, I've never even thought about fish in a farm. I don't, because it's very foreign to me. So that's a pretty fascinating that that came there. So your PhD is in nutrition, but I know you know a lot about dog food, obviously. You yes. know a lot about that. So today I just wanted to talk about, we were talking before the show, just about nutrition and the working dogs. So right now I've, I've worked different dogs over the last Years and I've worked Malinois, quite a few Malinois. Right now, I have two different Labradors. They're both extremely high drive. They're driven dogs, like like what we want. But and I know a lot about training a dog. But I'm really, quite honestly, pretty ignorant about dog food and kind of pick and choose with a little bit of research. And sometimes I'll ask the vets. And um, I think uh, a lot of vets don't really know much about working dogs either. And on the on the, the far end, of it, they know dogs, but they not know working dogs. So. I'd like to take some time today just to talk about you know, what are some basics that um, a person should should know about dog food. What should we be looking for? What are what are the, the benefits of, of certain ingredients? Where, where where does one start? You know, if it, you know, I'm, I'm right now. I'm actually fairly content with the food I have, but I'm always open minded. So if I want to analyze the food that I have, how would I start there? And if I'm going to compare it to other ones, what what should I start with?
1: Um, there's a few things, um, if I were to pick up a bag of dog food now, here towards a canine, sure. so a moderately active dog, um, that would have some downtime, some periods of long sustained activities, depending on what it's doing, some sprinting, um, it's very, mo- it's moderate and it's very, very variable, uh, activity levels. You'd be looking first at your protein and fat levels, uh, and you, you'd work from there. So. It makes it interesting because there's a lot of information available on mushing dogs and there's been a good amount of research done in in that particular field where they know that, or we know that uh, you need a high level of fat in that type of food. Some of these dogs are running for 10 hours a day and you need that high fat level in order to sustain them. And mushers have known that naturally for a long time. They always have supplemented with a little bit of raw meat sometimes, um, but it's a lot of fats of whatever they can get their hands on to help get that energy level and maintain that energy level in that, those cold climates. Um, protein, again, is, of course, incredibly important. Uh, dogs burn fats versus an energy source. Um, carbohydrates to kind of get them going for burst type activities. But fats are their primary source for, for energy. Unlike us, we're, we're also sure. carbohydrates. Um, so it matters. Uh, high fat matters in the mushing world there, but it also matters here in in the detection unit. You know, for there's 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 reasons when it comes to olfactory, but there's also reasons for energy. Um, you're dealing with dogs that oftentimes have a hard time maintaining weight and a good body condition. Um, they need that fuel. Um, they are definitely high dry, so it's important there. And then when it comes to protein too, you'd want to be looking for something that is uh, On the mid to high range, like somewhere above twenty-five to thirty-two percent, really.
0: So let me just interrupt you. Yes. So when I look at the label, I'll yeah. see the ingredients, and then yeah. below that, it'll give me a percentage of daily protein or something.
1: Yeah. So, so you'll you'd look at a label. You have your guaranteed analyses, and the first one on there will say protein, and it will say percentage. And for this type of dog, you'd be looking for something that's in you know, the twenty-five to probably thirty-two percent range. The reason being is you need these dogs need enough um, protein intake to actually sustain their muscles, sustain their systems. When we, when you take an entry level biochem course, for example, and this is kind of how I, how I like to describe this, is we, when you, when you went into an exam in, in one of those courses and you didn't know the answer, we used to joke that you always write protein because it's never wrong, right? <laughs> because it is involved in absolutely everything sure. in, the dog, in the dog's body from enzymes to tissue building, to cells, to absolutely everything. It's it's incredibly important, but you don't want that protein to be used as a fuel source either. So you need to have enough that they can maintain and recover quite well um, after these, these high impact and, and high drive activities, uh, and, but not so much that it becomes becomes a problem and you want that on top of that the the fat to be what they're primarily burning. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, so I'm going to be reading it. I'll say 25% protein. So 25% of the food means or 25, 25% means of the food, 25% of it is a protein. Yes. And then the next ingredient that I'm going to look for, uh,
1: it would typically be your fat. So you'd have those two listed one and two in your guarantee analyses. Now, um, Dogs, when it comes to the fat level required, we talked, we touched sure. a little bit on mushing dogs and a high fat level requirement. These dogs would also require a high fat level. Um, and that is because for a couple of reasons, um, one, it means that you can feed less, um, because the energy level in, uh, one gram of fat is about eight and a half calories per gram, where the protein and carbohydrates is three, three and a half. Okay. So you can see that you can get more energy out of that, uh, and added a lesser volume of food. Um, it also has implications for, um, for coat health um, and for uh, smell ability, depending on what those fats are. And, um, and uh, yeah.
0: So it does, So with the right level of fat, or if the dog's missing fat in their diet, yeah. it could affect like, especially on the detector side or a patrol dog needs to smell too. Yeah. It could att- uh, affect my dog's ability to do his job if he's not getting the right amount of fat.
1: Well, it's energy and it's body condition too. So, so you need to make sure that your dog, your dog is getting enough uh, nutrients in order, in order to sustain itself and enough fuel to actually keep
0: that drive going. So fat, I mean, it sounds like a bad thing when we look at things, <laughs> but it, it's vitally important. Too. Yes. So, so, so fat, fat good on this. Now, if I go to the store, <laughs> I shouldn't be getting a high fat diet, right? So... <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, it's it's different <laughs> for humans, you know. So like, when we were, to, if we were going to go out and do sprints or uh, run a marathon, for example, we carb load. We have a big big meal of pasta the night sure. before, and then we go and we we use those fuel sources, those glycogen in the house to stored. We use like glycogen and glucose to fuel our bodies. Yeah. Dogs are different. Dogs, what they'll do is they need a certain amount of carbohydrates, but they burn primarily. Primarily fats when they're yeah. working. They have different muscle tissues yeah. than we do, so that that's that's what they use. They'll use carbohydrates for jumping, for sprinting. Uh, greyhounds require higher uh, sure. carbohydrate sure. content for that reason. But it's it's within they'll use them for those first type activities and for the first 20, 30 minutes of activity, and then they'll switch off straight over to over to fat.
0: You know, and we laugh about it, but I'm I'm, I'm glad we make that point because I think um, especially uh, most most cops are. Pre dialed into some degree of being in shape and understanding health and diet, you know, I think it's very very common, and I think we uh, probably tend to take those same characteristics. I think it's good for me. It's it's good for my partner. And clearly, that's not the case. So, so that's a, that's a fascinating thing. So we're we're talking proteins first, then fats, and then what else would I be looking? Um, and maybe not just ingredient wise. What 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 what's the next most important thing? If it's a, an additive or whatever, whatever is the next.
1: The next thing I would be looking for is what's actually in those in that food and what that in, is in that ingredient deck. You want your proteins, in particular, to be coming from animal sources primarily. Okay. Um, all your carbohydrates will have proteins in them, just small quantities. Uh-huh but you want your first ingredient to definitely be uh, a protein source. And ideally, um, if the dog doesn't have any sensitivities to proteins, have the second one be as well. That way you know that those proteins and those amino acids that come from those proteins are actually coming from a source that's readily digestible to the dog. Okay. Um, That would be my next thing. And then. uh,
0: So protein source, generally we're talking about an animal. Yes. So, what is there? Is there certain animals like I mean, I see fish and potato, I see bison, and I see is there is there one dead animal that's better to a dead other dead animal to a dog? Because I think out in the wild they don't really care, but I'm just wondering yeah. is clearly something probably is better better. So,
1: um, when we look at formulating diets, uh, we like to use protein sources uh, that are primarily meals, and we do that for a very strategic reason. Um, when you look at an ingredient deck, the ingredients are listed in weight before it's cooked. So um, when you have um, ingredients in there that are considered to be fresh, for example, that first ingredient might say chicken, and that might sound like somebody walked to a grocery store, picked up a nice chicken breast and put it in the dog food. But you're looking at an ingredient there that is 70% water, it's listed as the first ingredient. But when you dry that down to the to the moisture level of the kibble, which is 10%, you're losing all of that weight. And how much protein is actually left in that 10% isn't very much. So it, there's it's a very confusing world sure. out there because there's not a whole lot of information on how that works. Um, us, and there's many other companies as well, we, really, we like to use meals because that meal comes in at about 10% moisture already. So we know that that meal can't all be protein, it's never 100%, yeah. there's vitamins, there's minerals and all that stuff in there. But we know that meal comes in at 65%, 70% protein, so we know that, that that's where the majority of the protein in the diet would be coming from,
0: if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, it does. Um, so when you, and just to be clear, when you're talking about meal, we're talking about parts of the animal that is it, not really something that we want to use, but we, we use other parts and it's, it's processed in a certain way, I assume.
1: Not necessarily. So yeah. there's meals and then there's byproduct meals. Okay. So meals themselves, you can get um a chicken meal that is uh includes very little bone um and is primarily just meat. Uh-huh. That that's out there. Um and then there's byproduct meals where byproduct meals include some meat, but it also includes um the some of the, the internal parts, organs yeah. and, and a few other things as uh-huh. well.
0: Yeah. Okay. And is one better than the other?
1: Not necessarily. Um the perception is that sure. a pure meal would be better than a yeah. byproduct meal. But it, it all depends, product quality and ingredient quality plays in there. Yeah. Um, you can get a high-quality chicken yeah. byproduct meal that includes cartilage and things like that that have helped uh, help with joint. Yeah, yeah I would and think yeah, would. Um, those exist out there as well. Yeah. The problem is, as a consumer, you know you never know where the source of those sure. ingredients come from and what the quality of that ingredient might
0: yeah, kind of like a hot dog. Kind of like a <laughs> hot dog,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, but is there is there a source of protein that you – I maybe i put down the spot, but is there – because I imagine you guys have different flavors yeah. or different things. So um, if, if it's maybe preference – I, like, I, I have a dog that he mostly likes the, the fish, you know, yeah. and he eats that much faster and easier to eat. So it, does it come down to what the dog likes, or is there some that are maybe more efficient?
1: So when it comes down to protein sources, um, we tend to use the ones that we know have uh, a, a greater amino acid spectrum. So uh, given you have protein, you've got amino acids, uh, they're the building blocks of protein, and some yeah. of those are essential that the dog cannot make on its own, um, and it needs to get it from the diet. So uh, there's some proteins out there, um, such, I'll use lamb as an example that does not have a great amino acid spectrum when it comes to dogs. Okay. Not saying it's a bad protein. Sure. It's just, just uh, when, you're com- when you're dealing with a working dog, a single protein lamb source might not be your best option because you could have a few holes there that wow. would have to be added back in um, probably with some synthetic proteins. And really you kind of want to get as much as you can from the actual okay. meat source itself. So okay. a lamb fish might be fine, yeah. but I, I wouldn't necessarily recommend a lamb, a lamb, lamb, or lamb product
0: for a working and a lot of the other meats are okay fish.
1: yeah fish is good. Um, most fish are, are quite high in protein level and have a pretty good amino acid spectrum. Uh, Poultry is also quite good for the most part. Uh, yeah you can run into some calcium phosphorus issues but
0: is, and there's no I, I, I think I know the answer but there's no real industry standard right so no. I mean so where you're saying on lamb we're missing a certain ingredient there's nobody that watches and says that ingredient needs to be in here so it could just be missing.
1: It, it, it's a bit of, there, there is AFCO and there is regulations within the industry. Um, but it is a bit of a wild west out there because there's a lot of um, information and misinformation and marketed information. Sure. And it, it's hard for the consumer to understand what is good and what isn't good and why this is good and to get accurate sure. facts. It, yeah. it is a very confusing oh, yeah. world out there. And, and I want to
0: just back up on one thing that you said is that you said that the raw ingredients, when we're talking about these percentages before they're processed, that's where we get the percentage. So uh, it might say chicken 25% and protein or whatever the next one is, 20%, but then once it's all processed and cooked, those numbers could be drastically skewed depending on the type. So really, really what I'm reading on the label isn't quite accurate at all.
1: No, it's hard and and it's, I, I totally understand why it's hard, hard to understand what's real, what's not real. what's what to believe and what not to believe. Because there is marketing, we'll call it that, tactics that sure. that um, can kind of inflate what's in the food. So you do run into, into foods yeah. that have chicken as the first ingredient, and it's implied that it is something that um, comes straight out yeah. of the grocery store is how we envision it. Um, but that is something that's 70% water right. going into a kibble that's going to be ten percent so if you drop out that that all of that water weight so if it is a twenty five percent inclusion in the diet and then you drop out seventy percent of that twenty five what are you left with yeah and in those type of situations if there's if it's a, a fresh ingredient so chicken followed by chicken meal you still have your first ingredient being a high highly digestible meat-based yeah. protein source but you want to avoid situations um, for these type of dogs, where you have, like, let's say chicken, fresh chicken, and then somewhere within the next two, three ingredients, a um, a vegetable protein concentrate, yeah, because those would have roughly the same protein percentages as uh, a chicken meal would, but they would be your main contributors of protein so rather than, than that the, chicken that is first in the deck.
0: Yeah. Okay, all right. So if I if I have a dog, he's working, um, is and he's say first off, if my dog's working well and happy with everything, um, but maybe whatever, I'm feeding him old Roy for whatever, but if everything's going good, I probably am okay, right, if the dog is, I mean, obviously, you want a better quality food, but where I'm going is that if somebody's listening to this and they're feeding brand XYZ and things are fine and the dog's healthy and he's working fine, maybe there's room for improvement, but it's nothing to panic about right now. Maybe they're, they're good, but if I'm working a a dog, and I see, like maybe he's a younger lab, and he seems lethargic, or a Malinois that's getting older. That you know, I want to watch. Diet is going to be crucial in all of this. Yeah. So, um, the information that you're sharing with us today is outstanding, but it also shows how how confusing it can all be. So, is there what is there a, a good source? Of, um, you know, I, I, see, I can read articles and stuff, but. I guess where I'm going, and I'll probably answer my own question, is um, there'd be absolutely nothing wrong with, if I'm interested in your product, of contacting your company directly and giving you a, a, here's what I got going on, and that's where you could kind of help educate, and obviously be on your product, but we would, we would be able to, to find, to determine the right dog food, and that's a, a good source of information, I would assume.
1: What's most important to us is that it works for you and your dog. We get phone calls like that all the time where um, people are feeding one diet and they want to switch to another diet and ours is a consideration maybe or sure. not. But it's not a like at the end of the day for us, we're family owned business. It's not about, I mean, we are business, yeah. but it's not about us. We care yeah. more that it works, our sure. food or whoever's food works. And works well for you than we do about us getting a sale. Sure, you know, if like like your old Roy example, uh, if it ain't broke, don't fix yeah. it. Is what we'd yeah. say. You know, it might not be the best food. You might not get as many years out of the dog, but if it's working for you and your dog, yeah. it works for you and your yeah. dog.
0: Like, and I guess that's uh, that's a, like the final point I kind of want to touch on is yeah. that this this really can and I and I've had good experience. I had a, a Malinois a patrol Malinois that I worked well over twelve years when he was well over twelve years old. And he had a very good diet, and you know, I work for a city that, luckily, they, they don't have any problem spending money to get the right food, the right medical equipment, the right medical uh, exams and stuff. So, they're they're very generous with you know our budget on that kind of stuff. And I definitely have, have seen a difference with my own eyes. So, this really, you know, I, I joke about feeding old Roy, but um, this really is something that even if your dog is healthy, younger, you know, you should have a good handle on it. And you should be thinking about this now then as he gets older, I can only imagine the benefits are going to last throughout his lifetime. I
1: would imagine. Yeah, it's about long- longevity, right? If you have a, a, a dog that's very healthy from the start and you can keep it healthy, that's the end goal. You can get more yeah. years out of that working canine and a, a better life for sure. you and the dog. Um, yeah, that's really what, you know, what you're looking for at the end.
0: Okay, so so basically just to sum it up, when, we, when we're looking at labels, we want high protein and we want um, the next ingredient to be fat. And yes. Fat for dogs is good. Fat, fat for, for humans dogs, bad. So. Fat good. Fat bad. I get it. So, <laughs> I, but I I, I, mean, I I emphasize that because like I said most of us uh, I I wouldn't think that you know I would kind of think what's good for me is good for him. So, yeah. so those are the good things to look for. And then, are there um, certain when they add in certain additives of vitamins and all that? Are there certain numbers there that I should look for also?
1: Um. it it depends on on the vitamin and the mineral and and what exactly you're looking for um there's lots of additives out there that have 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 effects there's things like within like within your fats your omega-3s help with joints and arthritis and maintaining joint flexibility um glucosamine and chondroitin, as well as green lip muscles also have been shown to have some effects in that particular world uh they're not necessary okay. uh they're good to have yeah like um, i
0: see i see labels that'll say you know with omega uh, three i yeah. think it was a it, so it's not a negative thing but
1: well you're, you need to have a certain amount of omega-3s and omega-6s there's a ratio um, there that that you're looking for they help um, a lot with um inflammation yeah. and uh and immune responses yeah. as well as joint health and yeah. a variety of other things um when it comes to you know, the micro things that are often advertised like glucosamine and chondroitin, they can be helpful. They're not absolutely required in all diets. Mm -hmm. Um, L-carnitine's another one that um, can help um, release fatty acids uh, to be used as fuel as well as maintain lean muscle mass. But again, these things aren't absolute requirements to have in in the food itself.
0: And if the food has the right ingredients that we talked about before, that's probably gonna lessen the need to add other stuff later, yeah. I think because obviously animals in the wild get by just fine without going to GNC, so they, they seem to be able to find what they need. So, um, last question that we did touch about touch base about uh, grain free versus non non grain free. Yeah. Um, I I read enough and I'm in tune with this enough, uh, but not with the dog food industry, but with the working dog industry. That I suspect there is a large controversy, and I see some of the. Articles going on and stuff. So without, I think that could probably be a whole show, and I don't know if it would ever be solved as in a show from from what my gathering is. But in a nutshell, and in, in your your expert opinion, big deal, not a big deal. Dog dependent.
1: Um, my short answer is whatever works best for you and your dog. Okay. Continue doing. Uh, the thing about grain free is that it hasn't come about because it's an ancestral diet or it's better for the dog it has come about for that same reason people like to feed their dog what they like to eat Uh, you know as a manufacturer we get requests for vegan dog food sometimes we get requests for purely bug protein yeah pick something we've gotten them all and and that is simply driven out of consumerism and uh, I'm a mammal my dog's a mammal this is good for me this must be better for my dog Uh, thing about. Grains is um, they tend to be a little bit more affordable, a eh, which makes your dog sure. food more affordable. But there's a lot of research into the digestibility of particular grains. Things like corn get a really bad rap, but they're about 92% digestible to the dog. They sometimes are overused, but when they're in there and they're used in the right proportions, it's a very good, very good uh, source of carbohydrates. Okay. It also doesn't have a large glycemic index like some of the other ones that are that are out there where you can. You can have it in there, and that they, sure. yeah, you can maintain a relatively stable without having a huge yes. spike in your glucose levels. Um, grain-free options uh, are again, I will, I will never botch grain-free, but it's um, they have a tendency to be um, a little bit less digestible. So, a lot of the commonly used carbohydrates, car- carbohydrate sorts that are grains, are above eighty percent digestible to the dog. Um, A lot of the uh, grain-free options, so your peas, your chickpeas, um, your legumes, are more in the 50 to 70% digestible range. So you have a lot more going in, a lot more coming Coming out. Um, You get some more volatile compounds. You can get some more gas going on with that type of stuff because there's just a higher fiber content. Okay. Yeah,
0: uh, I understand that. Yeah, I think we got it all. I think we're, so we're grain-free. We're not going to do gluten-free. Maybe we'll do a, a gender-pronoun-free dog food. <laughs> and you you'll be on the You'll be on the cutting edge of something here yeah. pretty soon, not to offend any of the dogs or something. So I appreciate you taking the time. I know it's been a, a, a busy show for you. So I think this is really good information. Thank you very much. HITS Radio is brought to you by the professionals at HITS Training and Consulting. Don't miss out on the world's largest law enforcement canine training conference. HITS has the most diverse class schedule to fit your training needs. And with over 100 vendors, you'll find everything you need to gear up for your next shift. Register today and save at www.hitscanine.net.